Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength in your neighbor as yourself. These commandments are to be upon your heart. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and, and when you get up and when you walk along the road. Tie them on your wrists and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. These are the words of the Lord. You may be seated. That was from Deuteronomy, and uh, the word Deuteronomy, if you, you can hear that first part, du, where it's, we get a word for duet. So it means, Enronomy is, is second law. So second, I mean. So it's second law. So it's the, it's the second time that God is giving the law to the Israelite people. And this is right before they're going into the land. And, and it's, he's reminding them again. He gave it to them at Sinai. And of course, Moses was the one they were looking to. to how do we live this out? And then right before they go into this land, right before they go into this unknown place where there's giants in the land and where there's all kinds of temptation, but there's all kinds of good things too. Right before that, Moses says, you need to remember. Remember. And not only you need to remember, but your children need to remember. Teach them. And so we have the second teaching. In Deuteronomy, you could just call that book the reminder book. It's a reminder. And he wants them to be impressed with these teachings and, and don't, don't forget them. These are final instructions before they, they go in to conquer the land. God has to continue to repeat his story, doesn't he? Because we forget it. How often is it that somebody says something to you, or reminds you and encourages you, and you're like, oh yeah, I did, I did know that. But you needed a reminder. It wasn't a new thing, perhaps, that they taught you, but it's a reminder. And God is always reminding us by His Holy Spirit. We have to be taught in the first place, right? That's important. But reminding is a big part of discipleship. We need to remind each other about the goodness of God because we can forget about that so quickly. And, and why is it that it takes a tragedy or it takes a difficulty or something gets taken away, big or small, out of our lives for us to remember how much God cares for us? For us to remember what our purpose is again. What is it that we're supposed to do? Why has He called us here to Tulare Community Church? Why has He... he given us life and, and woken us up again this morning, we need to remember the goodness and the promises of God. Now the Israelites, they forgot too, and, and a thousand years later we fast forward and, and we come to the time of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is weeping because he knows that his city, Jerusalem, is, is in rubble. They are taken into captivity. They've been in captivity as a people for a long time. And he's remembering his city, Jerusalem, and knowing it's broken. 
It needs to be restored. And so he asks the king, and the king grants him favor to go back, and he builds the walls again. And then other things are happening at the same time. Zerubbabel goes back. And Zerubbabel begins to build the temple. And Ezra goes back. Ezra is one of the priests. And, and you know what they find? They find the word. They find the scrolls. And it had been 70 years or so. And they had forgotten. And they had not remembered as much as they needed to as they were in captivity. And they, they read the scrolls for the first time in Jerusalem in, in over 70 years. And Ezra is reading it. And the people are weeping because they have forgotten the goodness of God. And they have recognized more acutely their sin in the presence of God. You see, when we remember, it's often linked to realizing that our sins are great. Many of our sins are connected to what we forget and many of those things we want to forget. But we have to remember, too, that God's grace is there to cover our sins. And if we don't remember His goodness, then we we end up forgetting His goodness and who He is and going astray and sinning. And so forgetting and remembering are closely tied to our walk with who He is. Many children stray when they forget not only their parents' instructions, but they forget that they're loved. They forget that there's somebody that is setting these boundaries for them because they're loved and they don't feel loved and, and they don't feel like they have purpose. And so, and so they, they run away. Maybe not physically, but emotionally they run away. And the suicide rate in our country is increasing at a rapid rate. Why is that? Because they have forgotten who they are and what their purpose is. That must change. Teach them to remember. Talk about it all the time when you're sitting at home, when you're, when you're in the car. Make sure it's every part of their life and so they have symbols all over the place that they're remembering and, and those symbols are wrapped with skin and people around them that love them and remind them and, and direct them toward the purposes of God. It's time to remember. How many generations does it take to forget? We see this with the nation of Israel. Not very many. Two. Two generations forgot the things that God had told them. About His promises, about His love, about His teachings, about His direction. They had forgotten But we don't want to be a part of that, forgetting. We want to be a part of remembering. We want to be a part of teaching them and impressing them. Talking about who Jesus is and and how he gave his very life for you and for I and for our children. So that we could be free. That he became sin for us. He said, I will take all your sin on me. In exchange, I'm going to give you my righteousness. Remember that. Remember that there's no condemnation for those who have believed that. In those times when, when you're not sure if you are highly favored and highly loved, remember what he did for you. And if it was only you on this planet, he would have done it anyway. Remember that. And you know how I know that? 
is because he didn't kill Adam and Eve. You know, if I was God, and it's a good thing that I'm not, <laughs> but after Adam and Eve sinned, I'd be like, okay, redo. You know, etch a sketch. But he doesn't. He values those two people, and he would have valued just one of them so much that he went to the cross, and the whole plan of salvation was unraveled through people and through history to bring redemption to every single person that would receive him. He said, I'm going to give you that right, that authority to be called my children if you believe me and my promises. Well, we're really excited that we not only get to do that here with kids here and students here and people here, but also in our community and also around the world. And one of the people that is connected with this congregation is Trevor Schmidt. And he is going once again another year to Japan. And he is focusing, and his team is focusing on, is on college students, on this next generation, to teach them who Jesus is. That they have a purpose in life. There's less than 5% Christians in Japan. 5%. Less than 5%. Trevor could probably tell you. Like 15 years ago, when I kind of followed all those stats, everything was 1%. Now that Trevor's there, maybe it's like 4% or something. <laughs> but we're going to commission him because he's leaving this week. And uh, we want to pray over him. And so we're going to ask him to come forward right here. And those of you who would like to, elders... Uh, uh, family members, whoever else, friends, we're going to come over here uh, and lay hands on Trevor and, and we're going to pray over him as we send him once again for another year of service to our King. All right, I think we have some students and children that are going to come up here on a little panel. So you guys can come up at this time. See, this is not rehearsed. You can tell because I don't even know who they are. All right, come on up. Yeah, good job. <laughs> there you go. Got a couple more. Are you good? Good. All right. Awesome. Come on up. All right, so here's your microphones. So... You can pass these around a little bit, okay? There you go. So, um, the Bible says, train up, come on up, guys. <laughs> we got more. Here, I'm going to give you a stool. There you go. You get to sit, like, right behind, like, hovering over everybody. Yeah, you take care of them. So, the Bible says, train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they're older, they won't depart from it. Right? You guys remember that scripture? Does anybody teach you that scripture yet? Yeah, well, well, we're going to get there, right? Can't know everything at your age, right? Okay, so how do you guys remember stuff? Do you remember some good things that your parents have said to you? We're going to go for the good things today, right? What are some of the good things your parents say to you? You should use your microphone if you can remember. It's not that hard. Here, let me help you out. They say, like, I love you, stuff like that. Yeah, they do. They do say I love you. Is that one on? Yep, it is. Okay. Yeah, what else? What else do your parents and your grandparents say to you? They're kind of reminding you of things. 
You can do it. To be nice. To be nice. You say, yeah, when you walk out the door, be nice. Right? Because I can tell with you, they're like, you know, I got to say it every time. <laughs> be nice. Be nice. That's right. I, te- I tell my kids when I, when I drop them off at school or somewhere else, I say to them, remember whose you are. All right, and they get kind of sick of it. Like, yeah, Dad, yeah, Dad. But hopefully we'll remember that. Like, what does that mean? You know, remember whose you are. So the parents say, I love you. Do your parents ever say this? Do they ever say, because I said so? Do they? Yeah. You know, parents say that when they don't know what else to say. You know, they're just, you know, they've lost the battle, basically, with you. And so that's the card they pull out. <laughs> because I said so. So just so you know, when they say that, you, you really won. So... Um, so what else do they say? What else do you remember? Anything that you remember that your grandpa or grandma said to you? Or Yeah, sometimes words aren't the best things all the time to remember. They kind of slip, don't they? they like, okay. So do you, do you remember your grandma coming up to you and pinching your cheek and saying how cute you are? No, she doesn't do that. <laughs> she doesn't do that. that. My grandma did that all the time to me. It's like this cheek started to get bigger than this cheek. Because she just kept, oh, no, what really you remember things when you touch them and you see them. See, I keep this on my desk. This is a, a picture of my kids. Now, it says in Scripture, in Deuteronomy, it says, you know, impress these things on your kids, right? Impress it. Talk about them all the time. And sometimes that slips, right? We don't remember what our parents say and, and what our grandparents say and what our teachers say. We, we forget that, right? But sometimes those things come back and they're triggered by different things. And it says, impress them. It says, talk about them all the time. But it also says to bind them on your wrists and on your foreheads. Now, what do you got? You got any necklaces or anything? Yeah, some, some of you guys will wear a necklace that will have a cross. And that's a remembrance thing too, right? Things like that. Um, other things that you are given like by your mom and dad or your grandpa and grandpa or brother or sister, you got a, like a necklace or does anybody have like a special thing? Is this special or is this just cool? I don't really know. Okay, so it's cool. Yeah. It, it could be both. Could be both, right. Yeah. So nobody gave that to you? I bought it. You bought it, okay. All right, so that didn't work. But uh, <laughs> sometimes you, people make things for you and like, yeah, we're the BFFs, you know, we're best friends and stuff. And so you remember that. Every time you look at that, you think, oh, that's, that's great. But now, True or false statement? Back in the time when Moses talks to the people, did they have cameras? No, they didn't. So it's like you're supposed to write these on your door frames. They didn't have pictures and cameras. And so what is the next best thing to like a picture to, to a picture? What's the next best thing? Well, of course. It's a rock. Right? It's a rock. And so they would have these things called standing stones. So whenever they had something significant that would happen, they'd say, okay, so find some rocks. And you can, if you've been to Israel before, which I'll take you there someday, you have rocks everywhere, right? They said, gather these rocks and then set them and kind of pile them together. And that's kind of our picture. And so every time we go back there, you know, and by there, people will look at that and say, oh, something significant happened there. And the people that actually experienced that will walk by there and say, oh, remember Remember what happened there? So every time they see that pile of rocks. So they had bigger imaginations back then than we do right now. Um, <laughs> so right now we need pictures and movies and things like that. 
Now, they also had something they said, bind them uh, or write them on the door frames of your houses. So when they're in the desert, they've got tents, right? So how would you write that on a tent? I don't know. Maybe using like charcoal from the fire or something like that. But when they got more established into the land, they had houses and stuff. And they, they actually put the scripture on their door frames. Okay, now I want you guys to look at that. It looks kind of crazy, huh? In there, I put some scripture in there. I think it's from Isaiah, Isaiah 61. Um, but you can put whatever scripture in there. This is called a mezuzah. And you can put it on the door frame of your house, and a lot of Jewish people do that. And it's, it's just based on that six, Deuteronomy 6, verse 9, saying, hey, remember these things, so when you leave your house, you've got to remember you know, to be nice, right? You've got to remember all the teachings, teachings of God. Now, I want you guys to tell me, what are some other things that you use to remember? Like remembering friends, or remembering you know, something that happened to you when you were younger, what are some things that, that you use to remember? Do you, re- do you remember? Like pictures? Yeah, pictures. Does anybody have a photo album? You're like, photo album, okay. It's digital though, right? It's a digital photo album, yeah. Yeah, pictures are great. Pictures say a thousand words. What else? What are other, other things that you use to remember? Do you like think? Keepsakes? Keepsakes, yeah, keepsakes. Do, do any of you guys write in a journal or you have a diary or anything like that? No, we don't do the diary thing. No, no. But journals are a good way just to write down kind of what happened. And you can go look back and say, wow, you remember that? That, that happened? So God is, is wanting us to remember some really key things. And he wants us to use like repetition and symbols and all these different things so we can remember what he has done for us. And so it doesn't mean you have to walk around with all these like, things hanging on you everywhere, but we have to remember what our teachers have told us, what our parents have told us. We have to remember those important things. And above all, you need to remember that you are loved. Okay? That's, just, that's the thing that kind of slips sometimes. You're like, hmm, life's getting kind of hard. School's hard. Seems like my parents are always telling me I should do this and that. And you forget that you're loved. So never forget that, okay? Now, how about songs, music? Do mu- does music kind of trigger things sometimes? All right, what's, what's a song that I think you're all going to know, and maybe they would know too, that you remember from when you were a child? Or you're still children, but some of you are. But how about you? How about, what's, your, what's a song that you remember? Jesus Loves Me? Yeah, that's, that's one I remember too. I wonder how long that one's been around. Do you have any idea? No, I don't know either. Okay. Well, how about if we sing that one? Should we sing that one? Okay, so you do the solo on the first verse. <laughs> and then you can do the second. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right, so let's sing. Everybody else is going to sing with us. We're not going to have any words because, well, we don't have words. This is all spontaneous, right? So, so we're going to sing that. I think a lot of people are going to know this, though. All right, so you want to lead with the microphones? You don't have to. Right. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong, they are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, 
Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Do you guys know the second verse? Yeah, I don't really remember either. So, <laughs> hey guys, thanks a lot. You guys can go down, and we're going to continue. Good job. Thank you so much. I'll take that for you. Yeah. All right. Aren't kids great? And some of you parents are like, whew, that was close. <laughs> oh, we got by that one. Yeah. That's why my kids weren't up here, you know. <laughs> well, just to wrap it up, um, part three is, you know, what do you remember? What do you remember? And, you know, God wants to continue to remind us, first and foremost, that He loves us. And if we forget that one, then all the rest of things kind of fall into this category of, why are we doing this? You know? If you forget that God loves you and, and that He wants you to tell other people that they're loved, then it just falls into this category of, you know, why are we doing this again? And there is this, a staggering and a very uh, disturbing statistic out there. And it's been out for quite a few years. The Barna Group did a study. It's a Christian uh, statistics group. They're very well known, even in secular circles. And they did a study, and they found that over 80% of students who graduate high school leave the church for at least a season. But what was really disturbing is many of them never come back. And you've got to ask yourself, as the church, as we are, as the church, big C, capital C, as, as the whole, why is that happening? What are they forgetting? Why, why is that happening? Because if we don't stop that trend, then the, the next generation, the, the church of the next generation, it, where is it going to go? What, what's it going to look like? And uh, so we need to teach them to remember. And we need to teach them those patterns right from the beginning. And children's, and and youth and students, and college. and, and And it's something that happens in the home, and it's something that happens in here, and it happens in school and other areas too. But they have to remember. They have to remember. I remember my dad and I fishing. I remember that the most. And I also remember us working on projects around the house. And those are the two things I remember most about being with my dad. And um, the fishing was, come to think of it, you know, we weren't that good at that. Um, and the house projects, come to think of it, we weren't that good at that either. We fixed everything with a hammer. <laughs> and, uh, but it was just being with him. You know, it's, it's one of those things of, of just being together. And so there's a few things, you know, just, just to, to consider. We're going to go into this more next week. Of how do we as parents and grandparents and, you know, loved ones, aunts and uncles and everybody else, how do we impress these things upon our children? And it's so much about relationship and creating patterns 
in our children and students' lives. And so that it doesn't become that they leave the church. And to circle back to that, they did further study and they, they tried to figure out why is this happening? And the single greatest reason why it was happening that students were leaving the church and many of them never coming back is because it wasn't their church. It never became their church. It, it was their parents' church. They didn't have ownership in it. They didn't see themselves in it. They weren't allowed to participate in it. They couldn't vote. They couldn't collect offering. They couldn't do this. They couldn't do that. They were always the kids. And they never got to speak into anything. And so then when they became 18, they went off to college. It's like they never had a chance to own it and be a part of it and to use their gifts. And that's a problem. It's a problem in the church, especially in North America. And we need to change it. We need to change it so that they remember. And some of the things that we can do to begin that is, as parents of just eating together, eating and worshiping together. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. And spending quality and quantity time together. And then having that time where you, know, you do have hugs and wrestling and things like that. In an era where touch has been so perverted and so... Uh, I can't even find the words for it. You know what I'm talking about. We were almost scared, you know, to, to hug. And I, you know, I'm sure Len has this all the time. It's like with teachers and stuff, you know, we have to be so careful, you know, teachers hugging students. And it's like, why is it that we have gotten into a society and that has been so perverted and everything that we can't even, you know, have those, those good touches? You know, we have to be careful and all that. But, so those things with our kids so that they feel loved and, and, and hugged and wrestled and all that kind of stuff. So where do we go from here in conclusion? Um, I want to talk to you just briefly about a couple practical things, okay? The first is this. is there's I think this anticipation of change that some of you are saying, I, I, what's going to happen? What's going to change? And, and there's an anxiety in that. Now, Change is something that just happens in life. It just does, right? But I first want to say I love you. And I know your leadership loves you. And the staff loves you. And, and we're, we're going to care for you and love you. And, and we want to be on God's mission. That's, that's really what this is about. But, um, well, there's no but to that, and period. And uh, <laughs> so the change thing. I, I remember... Um, with my mom, she was kind of the one that stayed home and everything, and, and I got in trouble a lot when I was a kid, and, and the phrase that I hated the most was, wait till your dad gets home. I hated that. <laughs> my dad was a good, good guy and everything. But it's this anticipation, right? Especially if I did something right away, like at nine in the morning. I had to wait until like six at night until he got home. And that was the worst. That was the worst than, you know, than the spanking or the punishment. Or it's this anticipation of what's going to happen. You know, he's a pretty gentle guy, but maybe this time he won't be, you know. And then I also remember anticipating things like going fishing with my dad on Saturday morning. Thinking about that on Monday and thinking, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. And so there's like two different kinds of anticipation. I want this congregation to be that second kind of anticipation. I can't wait for what God is going to do. 
rather than, you know, I don't know if something bad is going to happen, if they're going to take away this or take away that or whatever, we're going to add to what God has already been doing to this congregation. So I want you just to, to be at ease about that. Because you're in a place where people are loved and we want to continue to love you and we want to put people in their place of giftedness and we want to see you become everything God's called you to be. And that, Is that going to be easy? No, it's not going to be easy. But I want you to anticipate goodness rather than some hammer coming down. Secondly, uh, Target and, and some of the pattern, we've been talking about this discipleship helix and, and we're going to r- really see that next week as we even bu- have built this into uh, our, our children and our students, and we will build it more into our adult studies and things like that. And why we do this is because it's the way Jesus did it. It's the way he did it, and we'll, we'll continue to, to work towards that pattern, and discipleship is all about pattern. And this target that we've been talking about a little bit with, uh, or quite a bit, with the staff and then with the, with the leadership and consistory, our, we're saying, where do we go from here? How do we focus? And we are really feeling that God is saying we have to focus on this next generation. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to not focus on the 40-somethings and the 50-somethings and the 80-somethings. But it means that you have to have a focus of where you're going. Because if, if you can do a really good job of reaching the 20s and 30s and kids, then everybody else is going to be included in that as well. Everybody else will benefit that as well. But if we have no focus at all and just say, hey, we're going to just kind of just put it out there and see who comes, um, we won't get very far. So according to our assessment, that's something we need. We need focus. And we're thinking that our target will be 20s and 30-somethings and kids. Now again, don't feel like you are left out if you are older than that. There is going to be all kinds of opportunity for you to be equipped as disciples and to join what we're doing. And nobody's going to get left behind unless you want to be left behind. All right? Now, one other practical thing I want to just briefly mention is, is communion. Last Sunday you had communion, and there's been questions about this. It's like, why are some kids taking communion? We have in the RCA, the Reformed Church of America, is what's called an open table, which means that children, young children, can take communion. All right? It's not something you have to graduate and make profession of faith and then start taking communion. No. Um, it's different than that. It's you can take communion. Now, it's up to the parents, right? You are their main uh, teacher, spiritual teacher and, and leader, along with the Holy Spirit. But your children can take communion. Communion is, was never meant to be an exclusive thing. That's what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 11. He's saying, you're, you're making people feel small, and you're excluding them. And he says, you need to be be serious about this and examine yourself. And and that's where we got kind of caught up and say, whoa, we've got to make sure that we're all kind of ironed out before we take communion on Sunday. And yes, there is a reflective part, but that doesn't have to be that our our little ones know the theology. It just teach them what it means. Impress it upon them. Commitment comes later. Right now, this is meant to nourish them. They see the pattern, they see you, and then it's an opportunity to teach so feel free. Please find freedom in that, okay? It's not something that's meant to be exclusive. It's, it's meant to be to teach them about it. And new people that are coming in, if, if they don't know anything about Jesus, you know, we want to teach them about that. And if they make in that service uh, a motion towards Jesus and saying, yeah, 
I don't know all about it, but I want to know. They're invited to the table. It's an open table. Okay? And speaking of teachers, I want everybody who is, is teaching children, uh, students or youth, men or women's ministry, life group facilitators reaching higher, uh, facilitators, teachers, Stevens minister teachers, I want you guys to stand as we close. Just stand a second. That's probably going to be quite a few people. And we're going to pray over you uh, before, we, before we close here. We're going to pray over you. It's, it's very, very important that the Lord sends us teachers, right? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers, the teachers, are few. And they have a big job to do. And they're dedicating more time to prepare and to be with, with, with all the people that God has called them to, to minister to. And so we're going to pray over them at this time. And just if you want to, extend your hands to them, around them, or whatever. And uh, Lord Jesus, we pray that you bless these teachers. May your Holy Spirit infuse them and give them energy and strength and power and wisdom to be able to teach the little ones, to teach the students, to teach the adults, to teach in every environment that you've called them to teach for your glory and the advancement of your kingdom. Lord, bless them. We commission them. We send them as a body to be the people of God who lead and equip. That is what you call us to do as disciples, to equip the saints. And sometimes we don't feel like saints, Father, but you, by your grace, by the Lord Jesus Christ, you have made us saints if we believe. And so we ask you to bless these teachers to equip those that you've put in their care. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. You may be seated. Now one more thing, and then we're going to stand and the nominations for elder and deacon. So I'm going to make sure that you, you put those in today. You can also mail them into the office or walk them into the office. I want you to be thinking about this as you're making these nominations. For sure, I want you to be in prayer about it as the Holy Spirit leads you. But I want you to be thinking about the next generation too. We need to have wisdom on our leadership board, but we also need people with wisdom who are in their 20s and who are in their 30s. So this next generation can own it and grab hold. So think about that. We do nominate. Don't just think about all the seasoned guys, and they're great too. But we need balance, and we need some younger people to serve in that way. And we need younger people. We need you to be willing to serve if you are nominated. And it's a whole process of interviewing and making sure that your giftedness, you'll take an assessment, making sure that you get placed in the right, in the right role, whether it's elder or deacon or whatever you're nominated for. But please think about that. Pray into that because that's going to help us uh, speak to this next generation for this next generation to speak to the world. So let's stand. And we're going to, uh, next week, focus on how do we teach our children. Remember, as parents and grandparents, and we're going to really focus on some practical steps. We're going to uh, sing the doxology together, and then I'll give the benediction. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Now go and remember.
what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you, how the Father loves you, and how the Holy Spirit is in you to do His will. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, go in His peace. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.